What comes to your mind when you hear the word healing? How have you seen God heal in the past? What kind of healing do you long for in your life? Whether you're praying for physical, emotional, or relational healing, the Lord sees you and cares for you even in the darkest times. In this sermon from Mark chapter 8, verses 22 through 26, David Platt reminds Christians of the tender compassion, healing power, and sovereign timing of Jesus. This is the Radical with David Platt podcast. Here is David with a message titled, The Healing Touch of Jesus. If you have a Bible, and I hope you or somebody around you does that you can look on with, let me invite you to open with me to Mark chapter 8. Mark chapter 8. Eight, feel free to use table of contents if you need to. And as you're turning, I want to welcome those of you in Arlington and Montgomery County, Prince William, Loudoun, others online. It's really good to be together around God's Word, knowing that God's Word speaks directly to the deepest needs in our lives. So along those lines, I want to ask you a question. What comes to your mind when you hear the word healing? Maybe to make it even more personal, what kind of healing have you experienced in the past in your life? Or what kind of healing do you desire, maybe long to experience in the present? in your life. Maybe physical healing comes to your mind. Maybe you have experienced healing from sickness or a disease in the past. Or maybe you're struggling with a sickness or disease in the present. Or maybe a disability of some sort. Something for which you long to be healed. One of our pastors who struggles with debilitating migraines was up all night last night just sent me a quick message this morning knowing what we would be talking about today in God's Word. Or maybe when you think of healing, you think of thoughts or emotions. Maybe you struggle with anxiety or depression, obsession, or other mental illness, and you long to be healed for your mind to be free. Maybe you think of emotional hurt that God has brought you through or that you need God to heal you of. Maybe it's relational. You've experienced brokenness in a certain relationship. And maybe you've experienced healing and restoration in that relationship. Or maybe you're still waiting for that to happen. Maybe it's bigger than any one relationship. Maybe it's healing in the church. Maybe it's healing in our country, the world around us. You wake up to yet more headlines of shootings, whether in Dallas or Buffalo, and it brings up all kinds of hurts. You long for healing on so many different levels. I just imagine that across this gathering, this room, all the other places where we are gathered right now, there are so many different thoughts and emotions and circumstances and situations that come to our mind when we hear the word healing. 
And just to let you know where all of this is going today, we're going to land on having some time to pray for healing in all of these ways based upon the beauty of Jesus we're about to see in a story of him healing a blind man. Now, this particular story is unique on multiple levels. One, no other gospel writer tells this story. Not Matthew, not Luke, not John, only Mark tells us this story. And there are some details in it that are unlike every other time Jesus heals someone in the Bible. And then on a deeper level, this story is not just about a blind man in need of physical sight. It's about people in need of spiritual sight. Now, we don't have time to cover all of that today, so we're going to save that last part for next week, Lord willing, when we see how this story of physical healing relates to you and me and spiritual sight. But today, I just want us to read this story plainly and think together about the healing touch of Jesus. And not just think about it. We're going to pray for the healing touch of Jesus in each other's lives. Based on three characteristics of Jesus, I want to show you in this story that I would encourage you to write down. So start with me in Mark chapter 8, verse 22. Let's just read the story and pause along the way to make sure we're understanding what's happening. Imagine the scene. And the disciples came to Bethsaida. And some people brought to him, him being Jesus, a blind man, and begged him to touch him. Now, let's stop here and make sure we understand what's happening. We get the scene. We need to realize that people in this day would have thought certain things about this man because he was blind. And not just people out there, but even Jesus' disciples. What would they have been thinking about this man? Because there's a different story about a, another blind man in John chapter 9. Listen to how it starts. John chapter 9, verse 1 says, Jesus passed by. He saw a man blind from birth, and his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Do you see the connection there in people's minds? Blindness was not just a physical Disability. It was a spiritual curse. If you were blind, clearly you had done something wrong, maybe even before you were born. This man or his parents that he was born this way. So the common thought in that day was that disability was connected to sin. Disease connected to sin. As a result, the blind and the deaf and the mute and the lame and the leper, they were all outcasts in society, deemed unclean, unworthy, put out of the synagogue. They were untouchable. Pharisees, Sadducees, rabbis, teachers, they wouldn't touch them. So here comes a group of people in Mark chapter 8, with a blind man begging Jesus to do what? To touch him. And here's the first characteristic I want you to see in Jesus today. I want you to see his tender compassion. Look at what he does. 
He doesn't just touch him. He took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the village. Jesus is doing what no other religious leader would do. He takes him by the hand. Like holding somebody else's hand is a pretty personal thing, right? If you're holding somebody's hand right now, that's probably an indicator of a pretty close relationship. I don't think you sat down next to a stranger today and just like, hey, let's hold hands. If so, that was super bold of you and likely awkward for them. This is a very personal thing. And then to continue holding it as Jesus, picture it, gently guides him through a crowd, around obstacles, helping him know where to step, where not to step, holding him up when he stumbles. And it's worth pausing here to point out that this is how Jesus heals all throughout the Bible, through touch. Turn back with me in your Bible to Mark chapter 1, and I'll I'll have it up here on the screen, but if you have a Bible in front of you, look at it, maybe even underline it, make notes. I want to show you how Jesus does this over and over and over again. In the first chapter, Mark chapter 1, what we read months ago, verse 30, the Bible says, now Simon's mother-in-law lay ill with a fever and immediately told him about her, and he came and listened to what he did. He took her by the hand. And lifted her up, and the fever left her, and she began to serve them. He didn't have to do that. He could have looked across the room and said, you're healed. Instead, he goes over, takes her by the hand, and lifts her up. Look down in the same chapter at verse 40. And a leper came to Jesus, imploring him, and kneeling, said to him, if you will, you can make me clean. Moved with pity, Jesus stretched out his hand, and what did he do? He touched him and said to him, I will be clean. Again, he could have just said, I will be clean. You didn't touch lepers. But he reached out his hand and touched him and said, I will be clean. Jump down to chapter 3. Look at this summary statement in verse 10. For Jesus had healed many so that all who had diseases pressed around him to touch him. The untouchables knew that Jesus could be touched. Jump down to the crowd gathered in chapter 5. Look at verse 22. Then came one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name, and seeing Jesus, he fell at his feet and implored him earnestly, saying, my little daughter is at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her so that she may be made well and live. This dad knew that if Jesus would just lay hands on his dying daughter, she would live. So Jesus heads toward the man's home. And remember what happened along the way? A woman with an issue of blood for 12 years had heard the reports about Jesus, came up behind him in the crowd, and touched his garment. For she said, if I touch even his garments, I will be made well. And immediately the flow of blood dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. In the next chapter, chapter 6, verse 5, even as Jesus is being rejected in Nazareth, Mark writes, 
He could do no mighty work there except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. And then after he touches five loaves of bread and two fish and they multiply into a meal for 5,000 plus people, listen to how this chapter ends. Mark chapter 6, verse 56. And wherever he came, in villages, cities, or countryside, they laid the sick in the marketplaces and implored him that they might touch even the fringe of his garment. And as many as touched it were made well. Are you getting the picture here? Jesus does not keep his distance from people who need healing. Jesus comes to them. Where others walk away, Jesus walks toward. He pursues them personally, and in tenderness, he touches them. And we, we read this in Hebrews in our church's Bible reading plan just recently. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15, one of the classic Bible translations says, For we do not have a high priest who cannot be touched with the feeling of our weaknesses. And when you think about it, this is the essence of who Jesus is, right? Jesus is God in the what? In the flesh, God not distant from us, but God who has come to us to take us by the hand. This is the gospel. You and I have sinned against God, are separated from God, deserve eternal separation from him and judgment in hell. Yet God has come to us, not distant from us, He came to live among us, a life we could not live of no sin. And then even though Jesus had no sin to die for, he chose to die on a cross for whose sin? For our sin. He took our uncleanness upon himself. Died on a cross, three days later, rose from the grave so that anyone, anywhere, no matter who you are or what you have done, if you will turn from your sin and yourself and trust in Jesus, take his hand, he will cleanse you of all your sin and lead you into restoration with God for all of eternity. If you have never taken Jesus by the hand... Take him by the hand today. His hand is outstretched toward you right now. He's brought you here. This room, wherever you are, online, other rooms, he's brought you here to see his hand reaching out in your life. He loves you, desires to heal you forever spiritually. Jesus is the physical, personal, tender compassion of God. For all who trust in him. See his tender compassion. And then see his healing power. And Jesus took the blind man by the hand, led him out of the village. And when he had spit on his eyes and laid his hands on him. So yes, let's pause there. This is now the second time we've seen Jesus doing something like this. In Mark 7, you remember he spit and touched the tongue of a man with a speech impediment. Now he spits on the man's eyes. And we don't know why this was Jesus' preferred method. I'm guessing if you were blind and a man spit on your eyes and you could see, you would be okay with that particular method. So we don't know why, but... Clearly, it was a picture of power in him 
providing healing in them. This is a picture of power in Jesus to provide healing in a man's tongue and his ears in that story and of a man's eyes in this story. And this is exactly what God had promised centuries before. In Isaiah chapter 35, verse 4 through 6, God had promised his people, he would come to them. Listen to these words. Say to those who have an anxious heart, be strong, fear not. Behold, your God will come with vengeance, with the recompense of God. He will come and save you. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then shall the lame man leap like a deer and the tongue of the mute sing for joy. And we are seeing over and over again in the book of Mark, Jesus is the fulfillment of this promise. Where he goes, the eyes of the blind are open, the ears of the deaf unstopped, the lame leap like a deer, and the tongue of the mute sing for joy. Now, we'll actually talk more about this next week, Lord willing, but the picture in this passage is clear. The healing power of God is present in Jesus, which means... There is no disability, disease, sickness, scar, hurt, or heartache that is beyond the power of Jesus to heal. Can I just say that one more time? There is no disability, no disease, no sickness, no scar, no hurt, and no heartache that is beyond the power of Jesus to heal. Fear not, all who have an anxious heart. Behold, your God will come to save you. Now, that leads the third characteristic of Jesus I want you to see in this story, his sovereign timing. And this is where things get really unique. Up until now, this story has been very similar to other healing stories. But this time, Jesus asks the man a question, something Jesus doesn't do in other healing stories. He asked him, do you see anything? And the man looked up and said, I see people but they look like trees walking. In other words, I can see, kind of, but it's blurry. People look like trees. Now, we don't know if this man was born with sight and became blind so that he knew what trees looked like, or if he was born blind and had felt trees, had a sense for what they may look like. The point is, his sight was incomplete. He wasn't completely healed. And this is the only time we see this happen in a miracle story with Jesus. So what does he do? Then Jesus laid his hands on his eyes again. And he opened his eyes, his sight was restored, and he saw everything clearly. The language here is basically saying his vision became perfect. From blurry to 2020, just like that, everything was clear. And Jesus sent him to his home, saying, do not even enter the village. We'll talk more next week 
about why Jesus gave that instruction. And we'll talk about what Jesus was doing intentionally in this two-stage healing to teach his disciples about spiritual sight. But for now, let's just acknowledge that this man's healing was not instantaneous. It took time. And Jesus was sovereign over that timing. It's not like Jesus was thinking, oh, I didn't use enough saliva the first time. I mean, get some more. <laughs> Sorry, that was not in the notes. So what's happening? Jesus was able to do this the first time. And here we see that God has given us a story in the Bible to show us that sometimes healing takes time. And sometimes healing feels incomplete for a time. And sometimes healing doesn't happen the way we expect or the way we desire. But that doesn't mean Jesus is not compassionate. And it doesn't mean that Jesus is not powerful. It means that Jesus is working in ways we don't see in that moment. And we can trust what he is doing in that moment and in what he will do beyond that moment. And that's where this particular story is so helpful to us. Because inevitably, any picture of Jesus and healing inevitably leads to questions. Why do I have this disability or disease or sickness or struggle in the first place? Why have I experienced this hurt or this pain for which I need healing? And why won't God just take it away? If he loves me, and if he has the power to do so. And think of people all across our church family who have all kinds of different struggles and have prayed for healing. And it hasn't happened at least not in the timing we desire. Sometimes even leading to the loss of people we love a lot. And I can't answer those questions. None of us can this side of heaven. But we can know this beyond the shadow of a doubt. Until Jesus comes back, one day every one of us is going to succumb to sickness, struggle, weakness, and death. We will all breathe our last breath. But for all who trust in Jesus, in the very next moment, he will take your hand and personally lead you home where he will with his own hands wipe every tear from your eyes 
and he will heal you. Mind, soul, and body completely for all of eternity for the next 10 trillion ages and beyond. These are light and momentary struggles. In other words, in whatever comes to your mind when you think of healing, you can trust the tender compassion, the healing power, and the sovereign timing of Jesus. So as I was reflecting on this passage, I started thinking about different ways that we see Jesus bringing healing in our church family. And many different pictures in our church family came to my mind. So here's why marriage in particular came to my mind. I had all kinds of needs for healing. But marriage came to my mind because it's an example of healing that just doesn't happen like that. Right? The journeys these couples have walked on, it hasn't been instantaneous. This, this kind of healing takes time. And, and I just want us to lean in as we're about to pray for each other to the tender compassion of Jesus, the healing power of Jesus, and the sovereign timing of Jesus. And just to say together, we, we trust in you and to pray for each other in light of needs for healing in all of our lives. The same Jesus who did this in Mark chapter 8, the same Jesus who did this in these couples' lives is the same Jesus whose hand is outstretched toward you in your seat right now with whatever comes to your mind when you think about a healing. So would you bow your heads with me? I want to lead us into a time of prayer, and I, I want to do this in two stages, not to overdo the picture from this story, but two stages. Like First and foremost, I want to ask you, all across this room, other locations, online, first and foremost, have you experienced spiritual healing from Jesus? Have, have you asked God through faith in Jesus to cover over all your sins, forgive you of all your sins? Have you reached out your hand and said to Jesus, lead me as the Lord of my life? And if the answer to that question is not a resounding yes in your heart, then I invite you in the holiness of this moment, just to pray right where you're sitting and say, God, I need you to heal me of my sin. Just to say to him in faith, I believe Jesus came and died on a cross for my sin and he rose from the grave and today I trust in him to Cleanse me of all my sin and to lead me, lead me as the Lord of my life. When you say that to God, this is a picture of you taking the hand of Jesus in your life. He promises to save you as you trust in him and to lead you as you trust in him. In this moment, you can experience 
spiritual healing for all of eternity. And then, flowing from that, I want to pray for all kinds of other healing across this gathering. So in just a moment, if, if you would say, I need some healing in my life, maybe it's physical, maybe it's mental, emotional, maybe it's relational, if you would just say, I, I need some healing, then in just a moment, I'm going to ask you just where you're sitting to raise your hand before God, just between you and God. And to the extent with which you feel physically comfortable to do so, just to keep your hand raised as a picture of you saying, I need you to take my hand amidst my need for healing. And I just want to pray over you as our hands are raised all across this room, other rooms, online. So if you would say, yes, I need healing in my life, would you just raise your hand where you are and keep it raised to the extent which you can physically be comfortable, but to, as a picture of you saying, God, I need you, Jesus, I need your tender compassion, your healing power, trust your sovereign timing. So God, you see all these hands around this room, other Rooms where we're gathered online, all kinds of different places. You see these hands, you know the healing. Every single one of these people need, you, you know our need for healing better than we know our need for healing. We confess there are things we need healing for that we don't even realize we need healing for. They're so deep. Some are so obvious at the forefront. So for all of it, God, we pray. And I just intercede. Much like in this story, you have people coming to Jesus, begging for Jesus to touch them. God, I am begging for you to touch them for your tender compassion all across this gathering and every single one of these lives right now that they would know they are loved by you, that they are seen by you that they are not alone, that you are with them, that you are for them. You are not distant from them. God, may they know in this moment your tender presence with them, your compassion for them. And God, we pray for your healing. God, we boldly ask today for your healing in all kinds of ways. We trust you have power to instantaneously right now heal of disease. You have power to heal of disability. You have power to heal in, in intellectual, emotional ways, in relational ways. You have power to do that right now. We trust you do, God. And we would ask you to do it. In many of these circumstances, as many as possible, God, we ask, we desire that, please. At the same time we ask for that, we know that you are wise, you are good, you are loving, you are Father in heaven, you give good gifts to those who ask, and so we trust your timing. We trust your timing. And so if you choose in your wisdom to not heal in this way or that way at this time, then God, we say we trust in you. We want you more than we want to be healed. So we pray for strength and peace and joy and help in the waiting. We pray for wisdom to know how to walk in the waiting and faith in you. We pray for faith 
on days when faith is hard to come by amidst these struggles. We pray that you would do, just like we heard in these stories, all the work that's needed in each of our hearts in the middle of all of this. Draw us closer to you. Make us more like Jesus, we pray. Be strength in our weakness. Be joy in our pain. Be hope in the middle of our hurts. And Jesus, we sure look forward to the day when we will see your face and you will take our hands and you will wipe tears from our eyes and we will be healed completely. Jesus, we praise you for coming to us, for dying for us, for rising from the grave, for the guarantee that all who trust in you, not just wishful thinking, the guarantee that one day we will have resurrected bodies and minds and hearts and we will be with you forever and ever and ever, that all of these struggles are light and momentary here compared to the surpassing eternal glory that is awaiting all who trust in you. We love you. We celebrate the hope we have in you. And we pray that you would help us to make the good news known of the tender compassion, healing power, and sovereign timing of Jesus in this city and among the nations, among people with all kinds of needs around us. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. 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 Well, that's it for today's episode. I'm your host, Stacey Martin. For additional articles, podcasts, events, and more, visit Radical.net or follow us on Facebook and Instagram.